You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, Alexa, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Friday, a game day here in the Crescent City as the Pelicans take on the Kings in their home opener. We will preview that game for you guys in the third segment here. But first, we got to look at a couple of other things going on. One, around the NBA. We're going to take a look at some of the games and some of the early returns that we've seen here. But I also want to talk about the Pelicans rotations. We recapped the game the other day, but we didn't dive as deep as we could have in the rotation because we just wanted to bask in the glory, and I wanted to talk about how damn good AD was, Alfred Payton was, uh, Randall was, and Nikola Mirotic was. But now we can dive into some of the nitty-gritty things here, um, especially since we've got the rotation visualization starting to come out. That makes this a whole lot easier. So we're going to dive into the rotation, talk about what's going on around the league as a whole. The Thunder impressed me in their opening night loss, and I'll tell you why, as well as previewing tonight's home opener here in the Smoothie King Center. So a lot to get to in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's take a look at the rotations from the 131-112 win over the Houston Rockets for your New Orleans Pelicans. And look, the starters were exactly who we thought they were going to be. Drew Holiday's in there. Anthony Davis was going to be in there. Those two are locks to be in there. Alfred Payton started basically in place of Rondo from this lineup that played extremely well at the end of last year. Etwan Moore was there at the three, just kind of being his usual steady stealth. And you had Nikola Mirotic playing the four. The real question would be, was it Randall or Mirotic? And basically all indications coming out of the Pelicans camp up until they announced it was that it was going to be Miritich. I think maybe they like the three-point shooting out there. He gives you defense too. He can still run and he just spreads the court for Anthony Davis just to go and do Anthony Davis things. So that's basically the same lineup that they used after the DeMarcus Cousins injury. Just sub Alfred Payton in for Rondo and boom, same thing. That lineup, by the way, was a plus five to start the game until Drew Holiday and Miritich, uh, and Miritich subbed out. Those were your first two subs subs getting to the bench. They were replaced with two guys, Darius Miller and Julius Randle. First two subs off the bench that happened at about the six minute uh, with six minutes left um, or sorry, elapsed into the game. So right around halfway through the first quarter, maybe a little bit longer than that. And then you could see Randle was going to be the first guy off the bench. Miller coming in is a bit of a question in that one. He had a pretty bad game overall, but his bad minutes really came in the third quarter when he's playing with a kind of some of the other reserves and different things. We'll look at that lineup in a moment here, but I want to focus on the big rotation. So Randall comes in about halfway through the first, spells Anthony Davis for, uh, spells Miritich first. Miritich gets a short rest, just a couple of minutes before subbing back in with Anthony Davis coming off. Then you ran a lineup that had Randall, Miller, um, you had Alfred Payton more in there as well. Then once Miritich comes on, you have Drew Holiday, Miritich, Miller, Randall, Solomon Hill. That lineup right there, Holiday, Miritich, Miller, Randall, Hill, was 
okay at best. I don't know if you can keep that lineup going because Miller and Solomon Hill is just not great offensively. Miller's fine if he hits threes. But in that lineup, when it's not preseason, I don't think he's getting six three-point attempts per game or whatever he was averaging in preseason with that. Drew Holiday's still going to try and score. Julius Randle's still going to try and score. And you want to get the ball to Miritich. And it just makes it harder on those three scores in that lineup because Solomon Hill was not great on the night. On the court, he was minus 11. Off the court, they were plus 30. That's a net of minus 41, according to basketball-reference.com here. Darius Miller was a negative 31 in terms of plus minus on the night. Minus six on the court. The team was plus 25 with him off the court. So that lineup struggles. And when you look at Miritich's plus minus, it's because he played with those guys a whole bunch. And that kind of really dragged him down. So that lineup was out there for about six minutes or three, four minutes. And then Anthony Davis subbed back in and you had kind of a middle start of the second quarter, partially of Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, Darius Miller, Randall, and Solomon Hill. That lineup looks a little bit better because you got AD out there and he can make some of those guys look pretty good. But, you know, that lineup there, bad too. That was AD's worst stretch of the game when he basically played in that lineup right there. Him paired with Darius Miller. He was a minus four in that run on the court. So Miller's clearly the net negative here. And basically for the rest of the game almost, you kind of saw three-minute rests for Miritich here and there, three-minute rests for Anthony Davis, and that allowed Julius Randle to kind of get subbed in. Uh, you know, at the start of the third, it was the starters again. They went on at a big run. And then right around the same time, Julius Randle comes in with about, you know, six minutes left in the first, a little bit more than that this time, subbing in for Miritich. He subbed Dar uh, Gentry, subbed Darius Miller in later. That was big that he didn't put him out there the same time, but he did put him out there with Solomon Hill. So the combination of Darius Miller and Solomon Hill out there at the same time, I think they've got to realize that isn't going to work. When you look at the plus minus, for, uh, plus minus from those minutes, the net rating from those minutes, that pairing is rough to start the year. Let me give you a taste of just how bad that it is. So Solomon Hill and Darius Miller together played uh, 12 minutes in the first game when they were on the court at the same time. That's not great. That's too many for him. They had a net rating of negative 43.7. They had an offensive rating of 77.8, a defensive rating of 121.4. Not good, Bob. So I think that's kind of where they've got to look at this rotation, which otherwise was pretty good, and decide that this just isn't the way that they want to go. I think you need to see some more Ian Clark. I think maybe now you need to see a little bit more Frank Jackson to kind of take those minutes out of those guys' hands and maybe get more of an explosive score in there, which we've seen Clark do in the NBA, and we've seen Frank Jackson do in, you know, 13 minutes of summer league and, you know, a couple of preseason games here. But when you look at the, the minutes rotation here, and Darius Miller almost played 20, that's that's too many, and of those of that 20, 12 of them were paired with Solomon Hill, basically Solomon Hill's entire time on the court. No, not going to like that at all. But you got to like the rotation of Julius Randle coming in for basically six-minute spurts at a time, and then you see that he finished with 24 minutes on the night. That's 
pretty perfect. Maybe a couple more minutes here and there. Maybe you let him get a longer run in the third quarter where he only played a handful of minutes. Um, and I think that would be a little bit better. But basically, he played, you know, more or less half the game here. And I think that's kind of what you want to see from him. And that's the, what the it allows the Pelicans to do basically is one combination of AD plus Randall or Miritich or Miritich and Randall on the, is going to be on the court at the same time. You don't see those three guys play together a whole lot. I don't think he really will throughout the year, though they'll try it certainly at times. But it's going to be absolutely devastating when those guys all work really, really well together and they can all you can just create any kind of pairing. Two of them are always going to be on the court at any given time. And I think that's what the Pelicans want to do. You didn't see any lineup featuring those three bigs out there on the court at the same time. By the way, I think they're being called officially the Bayou Bash Brothers, according to our good friend Will Guillory of the Athletic New Orleans here. The Bayou Bash Brothers is what he's trying to make that. Let me know if you guys think that's good. I'm a huge alliteration fan, my favorite literary device. So I kind of dig this name here. So before we keep talking about the rotation, there's one or two things I want to throw out there as well to you guys. I do need, and then we've got to, of course, talk about some of the things I've been seeing throughout the league. We have a full slate of games, and it's pretty fun. But your company could be sponsored right here on Locked On Pelicans, particularly if you're looking for a new way to reach new customers. You could be mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their favorite podcasts. Our demographics are 98% male with more education and more earnings than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor Locked On Pelicans email me. It's Locked LockedOnPels at gmail.com. That's LockedOnPels at gmail.com. So a couple more things when it comes to the rotation, particularly concerning Solomon Hill, who no one's high on, and basically everyone wants him traded. I don't hate where he came into the game. Basically, he had two kind of like, he had like an eight-minute run and then like a four-minute run, something along those lines. And I don't hate when he came in. He basically came in at the tail end of the first, the start of the second quarter, and then he came in at the tail end of the third. That's a lot of the time when you see starters starting to come out, first subs being made, second subs being made. Salmon and Kill can go up against those guys. I don't think you really want him playing against like top tier guys in the NBA right now, but he can certainly play a somewhat decent role on a second unit against some other kind of scrubby type players. So I think that's where you're looking for him to kind of make the most of this. They tried to limit, I guess, the damage that he could do by himself and how bad he could be by pairing him with Anthony Davis, though he did drag AD down with him kind of, and he just committed some boneheaded plays, particularly at the end of the first with those two awful fouls when he was out there. So not the best play from him. They're doing their best, it seems like, to hide him at the times that he's coming into this game, into these lineups, and at least trying to pair him with guys who can kind of shoot around him. Not always going to work. Not necessarily the best thing, I think, but certainly worth a try because you do need someone to soak up some of those minutes unless they really think Wes Johnson or Kenrick Williams are going to be able to take more of the minutes from that. And I wouldn't be shocked if that was the case. I think the reason you saw a shorter rotation in so many minutes for Darius Miller is because those two guys, well, not Kenrick Williams, but Wes Johnson wasn't ready to play with this team. Now that you've got Tim Frazier coming back, I think he soaks up some of those Darius Miller minutes as well. I think he'll soak up some of those, you know, Solomon Hill minutes as well, Johnson will. And 
you'll see the playing time for these two guys drop, uh, not maybe a significant amount. I think that's only going to be a good thing here. I think we'd all rather see Tim Frazier out there with some of these backup point guard lineups, um, and it kind of limits the the time you'll get Alfred Payton out there with non-shooters. I think that's going to be a really big thing too. And then just anything that gives you an upgrade over Miller and Solomon Hill at this point is definitely going to be a good thing as well. All right, looking around the league, want to share some thoughts from the first two full nights of NBA action here. Go back to opening night, though, that eight-point loss for the Oklahoma City Thunder against the Warriors without Russell Westbrook. That had the makings of a disaster for the Thunder there, and they kind of rose to the challenge, and that kind of opened my eyes. I thought that team was going to be good, but they actually have potential to be three or four seed good. I truly think that in the Western Conference, I think they're one of the teams along with the the Pelicans and the Jazz that really can finish in that top half, that upper echelon of the Western Conference. No Westbrook and just losing by that small amount, given how good the Warriors are on their ring ceremony night, is pretty impressive. Paul George looks settled now that there's no speculation about his future. He's committed there. Westbrook's going to come back and help them late in games. They just could not create from themselves. That is something that Westbrook can do. He can create for others because he's such a wrecking ball going to the rim. It creates for others by just causing havoc on the defense. And then you see the role players just fitting what they're supposed to do so incredibly well. Steven Adams knows what his job is. Nerlens Noel stepped in and just tried to get blocks and rebounds and do that, and he did it. And then they're going to get Andre Roberson back. Their defense is going to be significantly better, and they could be really, really good. Um, Defensively, they're going to be an absolute machine once fully healthy, which might take a little bit, though Westbrook will be back soon. Roberson, I don't think they have anything set just yet, but man, they're going to be good. You got to watch out for that team. They're, I think, better than I was expecting. For you LSU fans, also, there's a Locked On LSU, a Locked On Tigers podcast now with our good friend ESPN Radio's Matt Moscona is hosting that Monday through Friday for you all, which is pretty damn awesome to have someone like that on board. But if you look over in Philly, Ben Simmons has been an absolute monster in their first two games. In transition, he is absolutely unstoppable. That dude can grab a board and go at a better rate than AD and Randall can. And the half court, you can kind of corral him and control him. But my God, is he going to be really fun to watch in Philly playing alongside Embiid. And that team has just, the ceiling is so high. I don't think they're going to get there. I think it's going to take them a little bit. But you can see that team is built for like a decade of success in the Eastern Conference along with the Boston Celtics, who they lost to on opening night pretty badly. Part of that, though, is because of Markel Fultz, the former number one overall pick. This guy's got a weird story, if you're not familiar with it. Came into the league, you know, got hurt, basically forgot how to shoot a basketball. Can get to the rim, can pass, but he forgot how to shoot. He worked on remaking his shot all offseason. But when you see him out there, this is a dude who's absolutely terrified to put the basketball up unless it's at the rim. He's got no confidence in a jumper whatsoever, leading to some really weird things going on there. They can't run their offense properly. They're starting him over J.J. Redick. And I think that's going to be kind of a problem for him. When they figure that out and put Redick in the starting lineup, let Fultz lead the second unit like they kind of did in the second half of the opening game uh, where he played backup to Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons can't shoot either. And having two non-shooters like that on the court with Joel Embiid, who would like some space, even though he can shoot himself, not ideal. But that team has so so much potential, and I kind of hope they figure it out because they're going to be fun to watch over in the Eastern Conference. 
Then other things around the NBA, you had the matchup of the two most hype rookies going into this season in Aiton over there in the on the Phoenix Suns. You have Luka Doncic over in Dallas, and Aiton won that battle. He and Devin Booker are going to put up points. Booker had over 30. Aiton had 20 in that game as the Suns absolutely smacked around the Dallas Mavericks. That was a bit of an eye-opener. They're also still going to be pretty bad, but they're not going to be an easy out like they have been the couple uh, past couple of seasons. So that's just going to be kind of annoying. Memphis, who I've been kind of high on, and I've talked about that here on the podcast, they looked bad. And I wouldn't be shocked if they stay this bad, if they just blow everything up there. And that'd be great because normally they could be a tough team to play, but my goodness, they looked terrible on opening night. And I think we want to see that continuing, but it's early on in the year. The Pelicans are just saying this was only one win, one game for him, but we'll see if it continues that way. And if all of the kind of things we've been seeing hold true, some of it's good for the Pels, some of it not so good. So we'll see how it goes as the season goes on. And as the season goes on, I've got some exciting news for you, and it concerns the Locked On NBA podcast. You guys know I'm on there every single Wednesday alongside John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. We have a lot of fun, but we're also about to have even more fun because we're getting two real big recurring guests that are going to be on with us frequently all season long. We got Ben Golliver of SportsIllustrated.com coming on. He's going to be great to talk hoops with, and I am excited. We also have one of the best guys in the league, Sam Amick of the Atlantic coming on. He covers the league as a whole, and I am so excited. I listened to him on the Thursday edition of Locked on NBA this week. He was great. You got to tune into that. We're going to have so much fun talking with both of those guys, John and I, and I cannot wait. They're going to be on our day. They're going to be on Tuesday. They'll be on Thursday as well. It's just going to kind of depend on their schedule. But if you want to hear those guys talk, you want to hear them talk with me or anyone else, definitely subscribe and listen to Locked On NBA. So it's game day here in the Crescent City for the Pelicans home opener, 7 o'clock in the Smoothie King Center. By the way, if you're not going to the game, tune into WDSU Channel 6 at 6 p.m. And I will be live in the arena talking with another good friend of ours. We're just name dropping all over the show today, Sharif Aishak. If you need a quick preview, I'll be on live with him at 6 o'clock again inside the Smoothie King Center. Pelicans taking on the Sacramento Kings 0-1 after losing to the Utah Jazz despite beating him in the first quarter of their opening night game, but the Jazz came back storming in the second quarter. They've got some pretty good players over there in Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors still knows how to score, and Joe Ingles can't be a secret anymore. He was 4-6 of six in that game from deep. He was great on my fantasy team last year. I don't have him anymore, so I hope he starts to miss everything. But the Kings were shockingly more competitive in this game than you would have expected. It was just a six-point loss for them. And they're led by De'Aaron Fox, who I think is a lot of fun to watch and is probably their best player, second-leading scorer in that opening night game. You, of course, have Buddy Heald, who put up 19 in that one as well. But that's where you it stops being a bit of a worry. Basically, the Pelicans can kind of take on everyone else in that. You've got Willie Cauley-Stein starting at center. Are you really worried about him? He did have 23 points the other night, but he did get to, he got to the line a little bit uh, decently for him. Has a high shooting percentage because he shoots low, low down at the under the basket and right at the rim. So high percentage looks for him. Well, if Anthony Davis can kind of 
eat some of the guys on the Rockets alive, namely Clint Capella. I'm really confident in his ability to defend Willie Cauley-Stein. Cauley-Stein's not going to play the best defense either. Randall, Miritich, and AD can all score at the rim. You suck him out of the paint. He doesn't even know what to do. So I think all three of these guys, again, are going to be in line for a very big night. Drew Holiday was a bit of an unsung hero in that Rockets game. We haven't talked much about him because he was 0 for 6 from deep. Didn't do a ton, but he did have 8 assists. The points and scoring weren't quite there. Again, though, double figures for him. But his defense was absolutely Absolutely phenomenal. Anytime you can hold James Harden to 18 points and limit the amount of shot attempts that he had, you're going to feel pretty good about that. When Chris Paul just doesn't go off on you with an assist and points, you're going to feel pretty good about that. And a lot of that had to do with Drew Holiday's defense when he was matched up against each of them. So yes, De'Aaron Fox is a little bit scary, but I think Harden's scarier. I think Chris Paul's scarier, so I'm not too worried there. Buddy Heald will probably get some shots. Um, and I'm sure he's anxious to try and burn his former team that did trade him. But then they've got Yogi Farrell in the backcourt out there as well. I'm not really worried about that point guard, though. It's a guy we probably would have loved here in New Orleans. But then they're starting Nemanja Belitsa. And yeah, I'm, again, I'm not concerned about this lineup. I think if they come out and play with the effort and the energy they did against the Jazz, they'll be annoying. But eventually the Pelicans should just pull away. And I don't think they're going to be surprised now that there's some film of the the Kings trying really, really hard. They don't take and make a lot of three-pointers, so you're not worried about them burying the Pelicans that way. I think this is one that the Pels should roll. And again, their front court matches up incredibly well with most in the league, but who the hell is going to slow down Julius Randle when he wants to score at the rim, especially if he's shooting threes now? Anyone that's even going to remotely bother Anthony Davis? We knew Capella might kind of annoy one of those two, but Capella's not here. The bigs, while some potential, not so great, and they're playing other guys. You know, Harry Giles maybe has some potential. Marvin Bagley could probably do a good job at the small forward position for him in this game. Because they're young. You know, they're essentially both rookies, because I don't think Giles played at all last year. So that's going to be a problem for him, too. You know, there, there's issues. And basically, what this game comes down to, and I think is the most interesting thing to see from this, is simply this. This Pelicans team played down to the level of competition last year a lot. They actually lost to the Kings twice. So if they come out riding high off of that destruction of Houston, full of themselves, and you know they are, but with that confidence and that swagger, and they don't just think they can stroll through this one and come out and completely just blow the socks off the Kings, I'm going to feel really good about this Pelicans team and where they're at mentally because that's not kind of the killer instinct mentality that they've had in years past. That We started to see it at the end of last year. But come in, show us something. That's what I'm looking for in this game. And also if these bigs want to each put up you know, above 30 points or close to it again, I think that's pretty cool. I think you'll see Wes Johnson in this one. I'm not quite sure about Tim Frazier. So I think you'll see, as we talked about in the first and second segment, some of those rotation minutes changing. I think they just don't trust those other guys. And in a game against the Rockets where they did start to come back at one point, maybe you didn't want to play them or risk it and just went with a shorter, tighter rotation to just get through that game knowing you had two days off um, or one day off before going then back at home to play a team that you should be able to roll. And then you can integrate those other guys in just a bit of an easier scenario. So I think that's kind of the things you were going to be seeing and things I'm watching for. But I'm going to be curious to compare the rotation from this Kings game to the rotation from the first game.
That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. By the way, if you're a new listener, thank you for tuning in. We had a big bump in numbers, of course, after the big win over Houston, which is not a surprise, but I still think it means we're getting some new viewers, new listeners. So thank you again for tuning in. If you've been with me for a while or at any point in time, I appreciate it. And please tell your friends, get them on board. We can see this is going to be a very special season for your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans. So as always, I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all on Monday to recap this game and the weekend. 